0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center Podcast. And um, this message kind of started when um, Sunday afternoon, um, um, I, I, I started cleaning out my garage and I, I requested Heather's help. I told her, hey, this is just going to take two minutes, I just need to, I need one person to help move the shelf with me. I was going to move it from, um, I have two car, a two-car garage and then like a detached one-car and I wanted to move a shelf over and I just asked, you yeah, know, this is going to take two minutes. And she ended up helping me for four hours. So. Um, Husbands and wives know how to how these things work. But uh, anyways, we, we cleaned out the garage, and, and we realized just over the court, we've been in our house now for three years, over the course of three years, a lot of stuff can accumulate. You don't really realize. I actually just moved. I've been here seven years now as a, as a pastor here at the church, and when I moved here, I just, my, my dad um, came down to Houston. He was preaching at a church there in Houston, and he, he drove up. Um, with me in an SUV. And that's all I had was my SUV full of stuff. And then I, um, I, I was able to, to start a business while I was in Houston. I was able to buy a home actually before I moved here. And I moved into a, a four-bedroom house with just me and my, my carload of stuff. It felt very empty. But then, you know, life progresses. And things change. And I, you know, I met Heather a few years later. She she moved here with Fisher from Tennessee, and we got married. She sold her place, uh, moved into my old house, and then we realized um, you know everything that I had wasn't her style, so I sold off everything that I had accumulated, so I was back down you know back down to Ground Zero. And then um, you know we bought another house after that, and um, kind of six months later, and we realized that none of her stuff fit in this new house. We needed all new things. so had to get get rid of stuff. So we've been here at this house for three years now, and I just realized, you know, with Fisher and now Ada, you know, um, things started accumulating. We are just going through the garage and just realized we don't have, a, you know, a need for, you know, 10 different bikes of different sizes. You know, we can get rid of some of these things. Uh, we, we have a jogging stroller. We, we've only used it like once. We realized we don't really jog, and Ada doesn't like to stroll, so... Um, so, anyone who needs a jogging stroller, who likes to jog and or stroll, um, I'll make you a good deal. But, uh, you know, one thing that we did, we had to clear out all of our um, our tax stuff. I realized we had all the tax, you know, records, and you have to keep it, you know, for seven years if you're ever audited. And and some of this stuff was going back to 2013, because I was, you know, uh, but I, 2013 is, we're kind of going through all this stuff. and and. Um, Things were different then. I was still—I was, I was looking through all my stuff, and, and Heather and I are both very entrepreneurial. We are finding all these hair salon receipts. She had—she found here like her her planner for how many you know hairdos she would do and everyone's names, and and you know I even found little parts to to hair trimmers that she had ordered, and and we can just get rid of a lot of this stuff. You know, I found all the receipts for all the watches I had shipped all around the world. You know, receipts to Azerbaijan and Yemen, and and uh, and. And we just had a big bonfire, and it was kind of fun, just just lighting all this stuff up on fire. And um, and God kind of spoke to me, you know. I He always speaks to me when I'm out in my yard, and I was just sitting in front of the fire by myself for a little while. And um, and God just said, you know, you, you have to get rid of some of the old to make room for the new. And God wants to do new things. He wants to 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 have new chapters in your life. He wants to have new, new um, calls in your life, new purposes, new dreams, new, new strains in the desert, new fresh things. He's always growing, expanding. And sometimes you, you just need to take an inventory and just get rid of some stuff that you don't really need in your life anymore. And, um, you know, if you're looking back continually, that's going to slow you down. This is something I also realized just um, yesterday. We, we got to go to um, see Fisher play... Uh, baseball. Fisher's grandma, um, Nana Rhonda, is visiting from Tennessee, and she got to see Fisher play a great game. He he was he batted a thousand. He was three for three, and um, every time he walked out to the plate, he kind of strut like, like he he, he was. And um, the the second time he came out, um, um, I I, um, I pulled up a song. I thought he needed a a walkout song. You know, professional players walk out with a certain song. And this is this is you know nine-year-old baseball. None none of these kids have walk. There's no you know sound person there or whatever. But I, I got my phone. I played as loud as I could. But I played a uh, uh, the greatest showman. This goes, whoa, whoa. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's like this is the great. This is the moment you've been waiting for. This is the greatest show because he's he's there to put on a show, and uh, and we're all just cracking up because it fits him very well. And actually, when when uh, Fisher turned five, Heather and I were dating, but I threw a birthday party for Fisher when he turned five. That was his uh, first birthday here in Colorado, and, and um, he had he wanted to have a greatest showman birthday party. So he had the, you know, he was like the, if you've seen the movie, he's kind of like a circus leader with the, the top hat and the cane, and Fisher, he still has all that stuff. And he's still the greatest showman. And um, and he put on a show, you know, he actually um, scored twice. Both times when he scored, he, he just slid into home plate. He didn't have to, but he just was just showing off his Baseball skills to everyone. But um, one time he, he couldn't um, it was actually the, the bases were he had to he had a book it to get home and and, and the kid who was up to back kind of hit just a little dinker. And Fisher was running from third to home and he's just going very slow, just looking at the ball. And kind of looking back at the ball as he's kind of getting close to home. And and uh, you can't be you need to stay focused on what really matters. And I told Fisher, you know, if you're if you're distracted by whatever it is, you're you know, you're you're it's going to slow you down. You are running very slow, Fisher. And um, I think that's like a lot of us. We get distracted by things that don't matter, and it really slows us down from where God is trying to get us. It causes us to lose focus. And um, what we really need to do is put your head down and go, go, go. And a little bit of Pastor Lawson came out of me as I saw Fisher just kind of lollygagging towards home. I I normally don't do this. You guys know how I preach. I normally don't, but every now and then I'll yell. And I yelled, go, go, go. And then Ada started screaming, go, go, go. Ada, Ada's got a lot of Pastor Lawson and her mama in her. She's very feisty. And um, But really, that, that's a great word for, for, for us tonight, I believe, is put your head down and go. Go go. Amen. So this is just my intro. I'm going to give you my first point tonight, and it's a very pointed point, but it's a point straight from the mouth of Jesus, and I think it's a great point um, with one of these tips on how to keep shining bright, how to keep going ahead into this great plan, into this um, glory that God has in store for us that we could be a part of, and it's this point. It's remember Lot's wife. And I'm trying to share two points that God has really put on my heart, but remember Lot's wife. This comes from Luke 17, and that's in Luke 17, verse 32. But let's turn to Luke 17. I want to read this in context. Um, Jesus is actually talking about um, his return, the, the second coming, and he um, gives two examples of what it's going to be like when he comes again. One example is he, he said it's going to be like the days of Noah. And the other example that he gives, it's going to be like the days of of Lot, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And when I look around, I see there's a lot of things going on like that were happening in Noah's time, and there's a lot of things that were happening in the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. So remember Lot's wife. Now is the time to stay focused. Keep looking ahead. Keep looking unto Jesus. Really, it's all about Jesus. And everything that we're doing, it it has to... there has to be some significance that, you know, God has to cause to do things. Amen? And um, um, Jesus, it, he makes a very, you know, pointed point, a very stern warning here. Remember, Lot's wife. So let's, let's start actually in Luke 17, verse 26. And he says here, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. And I believe he's talking about his return here. And I see this all today. You know, we are in like the, the times, like where it's like the days of Noah, there's a lot of unrighteousness that is abounding upon the earth. So, what do you do? You build an ark. You do what God's called you to do, and you, you look unto Jesus. You look unto your hope. You look unto salvation and hold on to it and keep, keep building that ark. Don't fall away from it. It says they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. So he's, this is another example here. He says it's, it was very similar in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Um, people can go to those plains where, where this happened and, and there's, they find it's, there's just tons and tons of sulfur in the ground there, even to this day. Thousands upon thousands of years later, that, that ground is still barren and full of sulfur. It says in verse 30, even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. This is talking about, um, and God, Jesus is going to be revealed. Like we don't need to be be. Like, he is going to be revealed. He is coming again. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. And I want to kind of um, go, go into Genesis and look at, about this, look at this account um, that Jesus is speaking about. He's saying, don't look back. Your focus should, should always be on him. And we should always, we shouldn't be consumed with things that don't really matter. And uh, man, a a lot of people just get consumed by things that don't really matter, that don't really count, that aren't really connecting to God's kingdom, and um, that stuff's going to be shaken. Everything has to be built on his firm foundation. I love that we sang that song tonight, that I will build my life upon, upon your love, upon your firm foundation. So let's go to Genesis 19. And I've never um, preached on this before, and I've never really studied it super in-depth, but um, I I actually loved looking at this account of Sodom and Gomorrah, usually, you know, and you don't hear a whole lot of messages on it, but um, because naturally people think it's a fire and brimstone kind of topic, you know, preaching about Sodom. but, But you see tons of grace here in this story about Lot and how God was trying to rescue him and really anyone the word whom, whomsoever is used when the angels are, are giving the warning to lot and saying to go get your family go get whomsoever will listen to you that's a very gracious term. who here is a whosoever a whomsoever that, that like God 's grace was, was wide open in this story and um, you, you see a lot of his grace even extended towards lot so let's read here in Genesis 19 verse 12 so these two angels came to Sodom, to, to warn Lot about the, this destruction that would be happening to Sodom and Gomorrah and to, to urge him to get out of there. And uh, while they were staying there, uh, men, you know, the, the, the place is so wicked, they, they wanted to come and, and rape, assault these, these angels. And uh, they, they just shut it down immediately. And, and everyone realized that, that this, this destruction is going to happen very suddenly, um, verse 12, it said, The men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, you know, sons-in-law, your sons, your daughters, whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. That, that's a very gracious term here. Salvation was available to everyone. Whoever would, would hear what God was speaking through these angels, what God would then speak through Lot. Whoever would hear you, whoever would go with you, get them out of this place. Verse 13, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot, he went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, as we preach this message of salvation, there are going to be some people who just think you're a joke. There are probably a lot of people that thought Noah was a joke as well. And I believe before Jesus comes again, there are going to be people who think the, the message of salvation, the message of Jesus is a joke, but it's not a joke. Amen? Um, verse 15, it said, When the morning dawned, so, so Lot apparently was taking his time. He was still in town. He wasn't really hurrying out. When morning dawned, the angels came to Lot again. They urged him to hurry, saying, I I just see they're really trying to help Lot. You don't want to dilly-dally here. They urged him to hurry, saying, arise, take your wife, take your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And it says, while he lingered, he's just... I don't know why he's lingering. I don't know what he's looking for to take with him. But um, it's time to get out of here. I remember several years ago, I was home, it's probably 10, uh, I was home um, visiting when the Waldo Canyon fire happened. My parents live on the west side of town, and we could actually see um, homes catching on fire in mountain shadows and, and literally bursting. The the fires would... would um, like suck in, suck out all the air instantly, and, and the homes would just like pop. And um, it's a it's a very, it, it just like brings chill to your chills to your bones, like even me thinking about this. Um, but um, and, and we could see this happening, and that the, the the winds were super high that night, it was very dry, very hot. I think they're like 50 mile per hour winds, so things move very rapidly, and um, you know, we, we got the notification like you evacuate if you live in whatever zip code to just evacuate and um, I just grabbed my flute and nothing else and I got my parents car and we they had a rental home that was empty and we just moved to their empty rental home and we just slept on in an empty house for two weeks and um, um, but lot lot was lingering I don't know what he was trying to find I know in case of a fire, I grab my flute, but now I grab my wife and my two children first, and the dogs, I guess. I got dogs I got to think about, but he he was lingering, and the men, they, they literally grabbed his hand. This is how, this is just a picture of God's mercy, like the, the fire is, like there. there's something about ready to be destroyed here. They, they grab his hands, they grab his wife's hands, they grab his daughter's hands, and they 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 physically forced him outside the city. It said, the Lord being merciful to him. Man, God is so merciful, just so full of mercy. He sent angels to to warn Lot to to physically grab him and and pull him out of there. They brought him out and set him outside. They set him outside the city, and they, they said, look, please listen. Go. And it said, as it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, the angel said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know, my lords. It's an interesting account. And he's kind of arguing with them. He said, indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight. You have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains. He's kind of like, barter, you know, bargaining with them. I don't want to go to the mountains. I'm not really a country person. Can I go to this nearby city instead? I don't think Lot quite understands what's going on. You know, I can't escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. You know, there's bears in the mountains. There's cougars in the mountains. I, I'm not really a Woodland Park kind of guy. I'm more of a Carter Springs kind of guy. Those mountain people just, I don't know about them. I might die living in the mountains. He said, see now, this city is near enough to flee to, you know, Manitou Springs. I can go there. It's still close enough. Can I go to this city? And um, please let me escape there. It isn't not a little one. <laughs> it's just a little one. You know, don't worry about this city. It's just a little one. It's just so funny, the things he's saying when he's almost ready to be zapped. <laughs> and my soul shall live. And, and he said to him, see, I have favored you concerning this thing also in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. So hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. That's beautiful. I cannot do anything until you arrive there. And therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. And uh, this kind of struck me as I was studying this out, but I, I've always thought that, that um, Lot's wife turned to salt like on the way, like on the plane. I think I, I saw like a little kid's cartoon about this. I don't know. I think I did when I was a kid. I don't know what kind of kid's cartoons I was watching, you know, telling all these various Bible stories, but I, I remember when I was a kid just seeing a picture of them running and her turning and turning into salt, and it's like, well, they're still on the plane, but no, they, they reached Zoar so they were probably living there for a time, but it, you know, it said, the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens, so they were already in Zohar, they were already in this little town by then, says, so he overthrew, overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. It says that she looked back behind him. So I don't think it was like the, necessarily this instant thing that she did when, when they were just running away. Like they were in Zoar, they had seen what had happened, but it said she looked back behind them. I think she kept longing back for something that God didn't want for her. It was this intense longing, something that God really did not want for Lot, did not want for his family, did not want... God God had something else planned for them, but something inside of her could just not stop looking back and desiring what they had in Sodom. And, um, it kinda, she, she was really, really focused on the wrong thing. Talk about it in a major way. And um, as I suddenly thought, I, I, just, I was just hearing God kinda speak to me about the parable of the sower and the various types of soil. And um, we know that in the parable of the sower, there's four types of soil. There's the wayside, there's the stony ground, there's thorns, and there's good soil. And it kind of reminded me, just just someone who's looking back, focused on the wrong thing, not really looking at what God really wants to do in their life. It reminds me of the thorny soil. Jesus said this about the thorny soil in Matthew 13, 22. Now, he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And I believe that that Lot's wife had this just this intense desire for, for something that God did not want for her. He had something so much better for her, but she just had this intense desire. Just kept looking back. And I, I believe that she actually reached a point that, that was beyond thorny soil. You know, I, I um, um I love I love gardening. I love uh, landscaping. I love working with flowers. And um, um, we don't have really good ground here in Carter Springs. It's, you know, there's some farmers here, some, and, and this is actually not great soil here, but there are things you can do to the soil here. You can actually, with stony ground, you can remove stones. I've seen people who've had, you know, boulders moved out of their yard so they could put a lawn in. You can, you know, God, you know, a stony, stony ground, you can, you can remove stones, you know, wayside hard ground, you can, you can till it, you can take a jackhammer to it, you can you can break it up, you know, thorny ground, you can, you can burn thorns, you can pull thorns, you can do a lot to, to kind of clear thorns out. But salty soil, you can't do anything to it. You know, if there is salt in the soil, there is nothing you can do to make something grow there. I've been to, to some salty places. I've been to the Dead Sea. It's, it's like three times, four times saltier than the ocean. And nothing grows around the Dead Sea. You know, if, if I cut down a tree and want to to kill the stump so there's no life in it, you 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 can put salt in the stump to kill it. She reached a point where where her heart was so just stuck in the wrong place that that she would she could not bear any fruit at all. She just reached a point where she literally became salt. I believe she became a literal pitter, pillar of salt, but just. Something about her looking back to what God did not want her to look back to, living where God did not want her to live in her mind, not, not valuing that, that God showed them mercy and saved them and saved their daughters. She was, she was completely out of focus. Man, it's so important to stay focused on what really matters, I see a lot of Christians just lose focus big time and just fight battles that really don't matter. You know, I, I was making a, a joke with Heather the, the other day about, um, you know, women preaching and how just people go off and, you know, build an entire ministry on why women shouldn't preach. And, and like, they just do like a whole series, you know, like women shouldn't preach. And, and I'm thinking, like, man, Talk about out of focus. There are bigger issues in the world right now. Look around. It's, it's as the days of Noah. It's as the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is what you want to focus on and just rail nonstop and, and just tear down other believers who God is using and, and saving and um you know, even I, I'm not. Well, I'm just gonna go there. Why not? It's a Wednesday night. I'm the associate pastor. You know, the Southern Baptists don't allow women to preach, and they're they're. I think they're the biggest denomination in America right now. You know, and I like a lot of Southern Baptists. We sang, you know, um, "Unstoppable God," and I thank God that's written by Elevation Church, which is which is a Southern Baptist church. But right now, they're they're just still railing on women can't preach and. Um, uh, one of the largest churches in the nation, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren, you know, the purpose-driven life guy, he, he stepped down as a senior pastor, and they, he appointed a, a husband and wife to take over the church, and, and she has a teaching role at the church. And, you know, they're, they're um, disfellowshipping, you know, that church from their denomination because this woman gets up on a, on a, on a stage and, and shares, and... Um, you know, also, the Southern Baptists, they've, they've been really honoring and, and celebrating the life of Charles Stanley. I like Charles Stanley. He's a very intellectual, very smart minister. I, I've watched his television program. He's a Southern Baptist. I have a lot of, you know, things, I, I like to hear a lot of things that he has to say. But, um, you know, Charles Stanley was actually saved when he went to a, a meeting and a woman was preaching. And God, you know, a, a woman was preaching and gave an altar call and he came up and gave his life to Jesus because this woman preacher, Hypocrites. Yeah, that's... Um... Stay focused on what really matters. You know, someday, you know, when, when the statute of limitations is gone and I can share stories, I'm going to write a book on... No, I, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to write a book on, like, a thousand dumb reasons to quit a church. <laughs> and I think, I think I've reached a thousand, but then, then people find more. And... Um... <laughs> Stay focused on what really matters. What really matters? What is God calling you to do? What stay focused. Stay focused. There are, there are some. We're in the days of Noah. We are in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Like anyway, you gotta you gotta remember Lot's wife. Amen. And um, this, so that's, that's my first point tonight, that's a rather pointed point. But Jesus had a few of those, and that, that was his point. Um, this, is, this is my next point. And this is actually a really good good word for myself, for many people here tonight. but God always has a plan. God is never without a plan. God always has a plan. And this this is just, this is super great. This is going to set a lot of people free. A lot of people like me who, who are very, you know, you work very hard, you're very goal-driven, you try to make... All the right choices do all the right things but sometimes something doesn't work out something that you really thought should work out maybe maybe it was a business idea maybe it was an investment maybe it was a relationship a career move and and for people like many of you if it doesn't work out our tendency is to just look at ourselves and figure out how well, how did i i miss something you blame yourself Maybe it's a relationship that didn't work out, again, a business that didn't work out, just something just didn't work out, and you start blaming yourself, looking for your own faults and failures, uh, but you can't stay there. Sometimes you actually did make the right decision, and and. and And you really did have wisdom. You really did hear from God, but it still didn't work out. You really did make the right choice, even though it didn't work out as well as you had hoped. So you can't just stay there, keep just thinking, if I had done this, if I had done this, if they had done that, if if this company had, you know, whatever. You can't just stay there. Because sometimes things just don't work out. You know, sometimes you really screwed up and you really made some dumb choices, and that's why you ended up where you ended up. But sometimes you actually did a good job. You, you did your due diligence. You, you used wisdom. You, you sought counsel. And things still didn't work out. Um, and I was actually thinking about Saul. Saul was actually God's choice for Israel to be king. And all of Israel was very excited about it. You know, they really wanted a king. They wanted to be like everyone else. That's what they said. We, wanna, we want to fit in. And... and um, we we shouldn't really want to fit in, and just be like you know I just want I just want what's normal. Come on. Come on. Heather told me this. She she said I, I've I've never seen normal since I've stepped into ministry. <laughs> and if you're just desiring what's normal, that that shouldn't be a desire for us as believers. Like I just want normal. I just want I just want what the world sees as normal. Saul, Saul, you know, they, they wanted someone like him. He, the, God gave them what they wanted, and God tried to equip this person. God tried to equip Saul. They gave him a guy, God gave him a guy that fit the part. You know, he was tall, he was dark, he was handsome. You know, if there had been a vote when God and Samuel, you know, as the prophet said, this is, this is the guy, if they had done a, a, a vote, he would have won it by a landslide. It would have been like, like Reagan you know winning the election when he ran up for, you know, I think he won like 47 states or something. I don't know when, when Reagan ran for re-election and won again. he just won by a complete landslide. It's just amazing to see how crazy our country has gone in just a few decades. Um, you know, Samuel, he heard from God. He could hear the audible voice of God. He could hear the audible voice from God at a young age. And, um, you know, he went and anointed Saul. Saul, you know, God, God tried to do everything he could for Saul. The Spirit of God came upon Saul when he was anointed. He, he received gifts from God. He received talent from God. He went out. He even prophesied. People said, is Saul among the prophets? And he went out and led Israel. He began to fight battles. He, he became a great warrior. But he still had choices to make. He still had to make choices. You know, faith makes choices. I just I just um, um, recorded television with my dad yesterday, and um, we we just um, actually um, recorded on, on what he just finished preaching on Sunday, um, the lifestyle of faith, and I was I was, we were talking about the consistency of faith, but faith makes choices, you know, it makes consistent choices to always put God first, always. Hear God's voice and ask God, What are you calling me to do? And faith always realizes that it's not about you, it's about Him. It's about Jesus. You you have to be willing and you have to be obedient. You have to be humble. Faith, Faith is incredibly humble. Incredibly humble. And that's why God says He gives grace to the humble, He gives more grace to the humble. Because humility is is an expression of faith. Faith and grace just attract each other like magnets. It's like it's like one of the strongest bonds in the realm of the spirit. If you can imagine like, like something like gravity just or, or giant magnetic pole, faith and grace are just this that form this incredible bond. And faith, humility is an expression of faith. It's saying it's, it's not about me. I'm going to put my trust in you, God. I'm not going to put my trust in myself. You know, Saul continued to make choices that were actually, it's like a, a, a magnetic push. Pride is the opposite of faith. And it will actually push grace away. I wish I had some magnets right now. I could, but you can visualize a magnet Saul continued to make choices based upon pride, based upon what he wanted to do, but also based upon the fear of man. Fear of man is a pride thing. What will other people think about this? That's, that's a pride-type question, just being concerned with your popularity, with your own fame, with how people perceive you. That, that's a pride thing. So let's look at 1 Samuel. I want to I kind of talk about this story a little bit. And... Um, So 1 Samuel chapter 15, we'll start in the very last verse, verse 35, and continue from there. And Samuel, this is kind of after, you know, the the straw that broke the camel's back with Saul and his pride issues and him just doing his own thing. It says, Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. So this was just the final um, straw. And um, it says, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. So he still had a heart for Saul just wanting, wanting things to turn around It said he just mourned for Saul and it said the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And, and this, this kind of spoke to me that the Lord even regretted something. So the Lord had made a choice. God Almighty made a choice, like I'm gonna appoint Saul to be the king here. I'm gonna... I'm gonna have Samuel anoint him. I want to put my spirit upon him. I'm going to try to speak to him, try to help him. But Saul just, we all have a choice to make. God can give you everything, but you still have to make faith choices. Does that make sense? And and it said the Lord regretted this. But this is really cool. So even, even if you, Just something didn't work out, it's okay to, like, it's not always your fault. But this is the cool thing. When it doesn't work out, and even when you thought you heard God and it didn't work out, God still has a plan. Keep trusting him. He always has a plan. You might not, you might be, like, confused. I don't know why this didn't work out. But God is not confused. Amen? He still has a plan, and you need to keep going to him for direction and to hear his voice, to hear his plan. And I love um, what God says now in um, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? So he's saying, all right, the time for mourning is up. You've mourned him, and, and um, I'm not going to let you just stay there forever, I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil. Man, And as I've been just, just, just meditating on this, just studying this, this, I believe this is a prophetic word for this church, for people here tonight. Fill your horn with oil. Fill your horn with oil. He, Samuel was a great man of God, a, a, a mighty prophet. He could hear the audible voice of God from his youth, when no one else could. But God said, you know, the time for mourning is up. Now take your horn and fill it with oil. For those who are are just stuck in regret, stuck in a perpetual state of mourning, take your horn and fill it with oil. God has a plan. Maybe things didn't work out. Maybe there was a loss. Maybe you were hurt. Maybe you are just regretting things that you've done. God has a plan. It's a good plan. It's a plan of abundance. It's a plan of increase. It's a plan of multiplication, a plan of fruitfulness. And I guarantee it's a plan that goes beyond what you can see right now. So take your horn and fill it with oil. God wants to just fill you with oil. But you guys say, God, here, I'm ready for that oil. I'm ready for that oil of joy that you have. I'm ready for that oil of the Holy Spirit that you have for me. I'm gonna stir myself up. I'm gonna build up myself in this most holy faith, praying in tongues. There is an anointing oil for me right now. Fill your horn with oil. And go. I love that, go. Just go. He probably yelled it at him. Just like I was yelling at Fisher, go! And God has a plan. I'm sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? He's kind of like, I don't know if I should go. If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord's very smart. It's like, you're not going to lie, but because lying's wrong, but I'll give you an excuse to go there. He says, invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. They saw Samuel. They, They know something was up. Samuel is on the move. God is on the move. There is a plan. They started trembling. And they said, you come peaceably. And he said, peaceably, I come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, and says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, I love this, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but, he, but the Lord looks at the heart. Some people aren't going to get it. But God has a plan, and it's a, it's a great plan, it's the, the best plan. And I love that, that God has to really speak to Samuel. Samuel and him, since he was a kid, he could hear his audible voice, and he, he's like, this choice is so critical, Samuel. You can't mess this one up, I'm gonna, sh- gonna hand pick this next person for you. But it's gonna be unusual. Things are going to look a little bit different. Things aren't going to be quite normal, but it's okay. Normal is just a setting on the dryer. You don't want to be stuck there. God has other settings for you. He might have a supernatural setting for you. He might have a high-speed setting for you. He might have a... A place of rest. We're going to have a gentle, delicate setting here. You don't want to just be stuck in normal. You need to be able to hear his voice. He's saying, but I like it. He has to really warn him because he's going to say, like, you, you think you know what you're doing, but you really don't. You're going to have to really listen to me more than you ever have in your entire life because I'm looking at things that you as a great prophet, as a great man of God, as no one else is going to see this. I'm the only person who's going to see this. So Jesse calls the next one, Abinadab in verse 8, and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. And he looked a little different. Saul was tall, dark, handsome, probably had a big, thick beard, And, and here's this, this little scrawny, you know, ruddy, he's red-haired, he bright-eyed, blue-eyed maybe, good-looking, but no one even thought about him. It doesn't matter how you look on the outside. It doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter if, you, if you've fed cattle, fed sheep, played the flute, played, you know, worked at McDonald's. It doesn't None of these things matter because God doesn't do things normally. And things shouldn't just always look normal either. If your life just looks normal, it's boring. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Man, we shouldn't just care about normal. You know, David, David he was anointed, and um, something cool about David, I'm not gonna go into his entire life tonight, I'm gonna wrap it up here quickly. He was anointed, he didn't always make all the right choices, but he had the right heart, he had the right heart, and I believe he had a heart of humility. It wasn't about him. He didn't really care about about how famous he was, about how good he looked to people. He, he didn't really care about how good he looked on several occasions. He would just worship God and, and not even care. People think, you know, David, we don't raise our hands here when we worship. He he did not he did not care. People mocked him for for. What a fool he looked like. Even, even when he was running for his life in front of a foreign king, he, he acted like a crazy person. He, he had no pride issues. I've acted like a crazy person before. When, when we had Lauren Boebert here a year ago, and, and just all these people were just bashing, just like, just coming after the church, like, I would just reply just like a crazy person with just emojis and... <laughs> Sometimes you don't even need to, to reply to people or even give a, I don't care what people, and and that, that annoys people when they, when, when they know you don't care what they think. That, that really annoys a lot of people when they know that you don't care about their opinion. Yeah, even, even, um, when Absalom tried to take over the kingdom and, and, um, David, you know, was fleeing. He could have had someone go, go whack Absalom. He could have, you know, people were, were spitting at David, were throwing rocks at him. He could have had people just wipe them out instantly, but he just said, you know what? It's it's he he's just so so humble. He really let God fight the battles for him. When Saul was chasing after him, and David was great to Saul. But Saul, just in return, tried to take his life several times. David just said to, to his guys, to his you know, military advisors, said, this is how you have to do it. We are you know, military professionals. We've written the book on how, you know, if someone's trying to kill you, you can, you can go fight. You can go whack him. It's okay. And he said, no, God's going to take care of this. It's not a battle that I'm going to fight. He just had this incredible humility. And um, if you have that, God, God man, that, that's just like that magnet for grace to help you get through whatever bad decision you might have made and help you grow and help you keep going in the right direction. God can always work with you. He can always extend grace to you. He can always extend his power to you and help you when you have that heart, that heart that is truly surrendered to him, that heart that is just really willing and obedient. And um, God, he has a plan. I don't, I don't know everything. And uh, you don't have to know everything either. And really, the, the, the more you learn in the kingdom, the more you realize, like, you don't know as much as you thought you did. And um, God's plans, they're going surprise, to pr- surprise people. And I, I love it when God just, he's full of surprises. And he likes to use unusual people, in unusual ways, in unusual places. he He's not really so predictable. So my conclusion is this. Keep looking to Jesus and remember that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Keep shining bright. Your best days are ahead of you. Take your horn and fill it with oil. Maybe something didn't work out right. Maybe... You've been stuck in, in a place you shouldn't be stuck much longer. It's, a, it's okay to, to mourn for a period. It's okay to have regrets. Even God had regrets. But God has a plan. Amen? And we need to take that horn, fill it with oil. And, and some of you, the, those, those things that went wrong, it, were, it was not your fault. And you need to stop just, stop just going back and beating yourself up, thinking, what could I have done different? What could I... Just don't, just get out of that. Change the setting. That's actually like a normal setting. But that's not, that's not the horn with oil setting. The horn with oil setting is, God is full of surprises. When you, when you just say yes to him, just watch out. You're not going to, you're not going to see what's going to hit you. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Thank you for listening to the Charist Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.KarisChristianCenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.